Hallelujah, Lord. Thankful for Calvary's price that was paid, Lord. The promise, Lord, that we can't be bound, Lord. The chains have been broken. Never to be bound again, Lord. For once broken by you, never to be bound again, Lord. before you tonight, Lord, just to speak about you, tell you how much we love you, Lord. I love the song, Lord. I love him. I love him. Just to express how much you mean to us, Lord. Pray you take this little evening service and just come in fellowship with your people tonight, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name. And good evening. Welcome to Wednesday night service. While people trick or treat and celebrate the darkness of the enemy, there's a people that can lift up the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. And I walk out, and there are all this garbage on people's homes. I just just can't quite wrap my head around it all. But Amen. We can come here, and we can. Tuck ourselves away and just shelter ourselves in the arms of his love tonight and just speak about him and be encouraged. Amen. Hey, let's just open our Bibles. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 3. We'll read it. We'll start reading it maybe verse 9. And the Lord, call, Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee, that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is that, this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And thou put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Amen. You may be seated. Maybe just before I go into this uh, little message we have tonight, I've been thinking of bruises for the last little while, and I just couldn't really shake the word out of my mind. Bruises. And uh, as you're just pondering it, the Lord just, I just started as he goes through different messages, I came a, the Lord just kind of put the masterpiece on my, on my heart. And, uh, so we've just been digging in that message tonight. So I'm just going to share what, uh, what the Lord's been making real to me, uh, from the word and from his message there. And as I was thinking through bruises and through the masterpiece, you can just hold that for a second there, brother, uh, Joseph, I was thinking who here has heard about, uh, the Banksy photo that was 
put up to auction a few weeks back. Anybody hear about that? A couple people. Banksy photo. Okay, well, it was a photo that was put up on for a Sotheby's auction, and it was going for a decent price of about 1.4 million pounds, I believe it was. And right as the gavel went down on sold, the photo, or the painting, uh, started to fall from the frame. And as it fell from the frame, it was being shredded into a whole bunch of strips of paper. And about halfway down, it stopped. And so before the people in the auction house, after the gavel had just been, has been put down, now hung half a painting in the frame, complete, and half of it dangling by threads below the frame. And of course, that was quite a shock to people, because it was a, you know, this artist is becoming quite renowned and his painting was, uh, was quite valuable. And now, now it was damaged. It was, shredded into some pieces at least half of it was shredded and they asked the uh, the, per- the one that bought it after they said well what are you going to do and they said well we're going to keep it and so i believe the original uh, buyer has still kept it and it's now worth more shredded halfway shredded than it is complete so the value of the painting has now gone up and they haven't given a price but because now it's one of a kind it's there's there's nothing quite like Half a, half a Banksy photo that's shredded in, into shreds. So it's become, you know, a, a fairly famous painting now in its very short period of time. But as we were thinking about, uh, about this that just happened, and I was digging into the masterpiece, we know about Abraham talks about Michelangelo and the masterpiece and the sculpture that he created. And I thought, well, everybody knows that, you know, that account of Michelangelo. But then I said, then I thought, you know what? No, we actually have a lot of kids that maybe they don't know about that at all. And so I'll just go through that. And so those that have been or been around for a while and have dug into the message and they know all about it, you've heard it before, just say amen double double loud. And uh, for those that don't know about it, it'll be new for them. Amen. So you can put the painting, uh, the uh, pictures up there, Joseph. So for those that don't know, this is the Michelangelo sculpture that Michelangelo uh, hewed out of marble. Uh, it's about eight feet tall, and uh, it's, it's, it's of Moses, if no one knows. It's the sculpture of Moses. It's one of his greatest, if not his greatest work. And uh, he took a couple years to, to hew this out of stone. You can just cut, go through a couple of the other photos. And just When you look at it, and I actually hadn't even really looked at the, at the sculpture in detail. I have not been to, uh, to Rome to see it, but I was fairly mesmerized that actually the detail in the sculpture down to the, the veins, if you want the back photo, this is hard stone marble. Just go back one, Joseph. And you can actually, it almost looks lifelike in his arms as you're seeing the veins out of marble. And one, one person said it was more the work of a brush than out of a chisel and hammer. And it became and has become, and you can go through the next couple photos considered one of the most famous masterpieces of the Renaissance era and the art era of the 1500s. And as the story goes, as he came to the end of it, as you've read through the the message and as history says, he came to the end of carving out this sculpture out of of marble and he took his little hammer and he didn't take a big sledgehammer, it was a sculptor's hammer, they say, and he hit the knee and he cried out, speak! Because it felt so... It just looks so alive to him as he's been working on it for now a couple of years. 
And now Moses is standing there. If you look at, if you take time to look at the photos and the eyes, it does indeed look very, very real. And the face, and they talk about just what they, he captured of Moses with the Ten Commandments in his, uh, at his side. And he cried out to speak as he struck the masterpiece. And by many, and as Brother Branham talks about, the masterpiece became a masterpiece because of the striking. And that's where we're going to just talk about tonight. I just want to speak about the effects of the bruise. Uh, the effects of the bruise tonight. And as we, you can take this down, thanks Joseph. As we uh, spoke, or we read in the scripture, and we came to the end of God as he was speaking to Adam and Eve in the garden. It was, if we just went a little bit before that, God had, in, had uh, created his own masterpiece. And it took him some time. And if we go back a little, a little bit from that point, and we can see God took, he took some time to build a masterpiece that he had in Adam and Eve. And, you know, I was reading a, sto- a, a story actually a handful of weeks ago to my, to my children. And we were just actually going through the, the creation story. And just through the, through the story, the author was breaking it down each day. And what would have happened each day as the Lord moved upon the face of the waters and moved on the earth. And as, as the creation grew, what would have been happening? And I was, you know, you just take it kind of as one big story. And, you know, creation and everything kind of was there. But it was a process. And at times there, if you took a, took a, and stood there, maybe the end of the, second or third day it would have just been super still things would have happened but it was still there was no birds chirping two three days in right and if you know as he came to then the, he did the, the trees and the seeds and the trees bloomed and the, the blossoms but he hadn't quite made the seasons yet so there might not have been wind and so it would have been very very quiet as he was brooding and creating and working towards the final end of his masterpiece and he would have made the creeping things and the little animals on the earth. And he would work his way as he was just trying to brood upon the earth to bring forth something that was that he had in his mind, something in his mind, an image of him. And he was working to create a masterpiece before him. And so he worked into the larger animals and the lions and the tigers. And he would have started to create this creation that I'm sure would have been just stunning to see for the first time as the first tiger and the first lions and the first apes and the first monkeys and chimpanzees and different things would have been the birds flying would have been quite an awesome sight to see for its very first time as they were now taking their first breaths of life and now habitating the earth as the Lord created it. But finally, the Lord came to a point where he now created man. The scripture said he created man in his own image. And there he was, and he looked at him, and it was a reflection of what the creator was. And Brother Abraham says, and God had now been able to achieve the thing that he wanted. He wanted a man in his own image. But he said there just was something that just wasn't quite right. He said because he was by himself. And he said, he, he, God had been by himself. He said he was eternal. But he goes that, and now, the man now, the image of God existed on earth by himself. And so he said he must have struck him a little blow on the side. And just gave him a, a smite on the side. And from there, he took a piece off of that. And he made himself a helpmate, a wife for Adam. So he wasn't by himself. And he said, there's his great work. 
And he said, God took his masterpiece, man and woman, and he placed them there in Eden and marveled at his handiwork. I can imagine what that would have been for God now to step back and say, there it was, his creation in the image of him. And he could step back and marvel and say, it is good. And he rested, amen. Now, we don't know how long time went on from that point. There isn't really anything that says how long how long there was time. But we know that Satan was working on his side to figure out how he could ruin this perfect creation. And he stepped in there and was able to mar the masterpiece in the garden through Eve. And he stepped in the garden. And I can imagine Satan's achievement as he had, you know, more of a, for him, a cruel triumph on that day when he knew he had, he had now just destroyed and marred this beautiful masterpiece that God had, had created. And I'm sure joy filled his dark mind as he knew what he had done. And he'd come in and marred it. And I'm sure he was pretty proud of that. And he found a way to inject himself now into the creation that God had just made. One, one uh, commentator said he indulged in his malice and gratified his spite. He had the worst sense, in the worst sense, destroyed a part of God's work. And he had introduced sin into the world. And he had stamped the human race with his own image to gain new forces to promote rebellion. And here's Satan. Oh, this was his objective. How could, how could he do this and take and mar and pervert the creation that God had just made? But his Satan's triumph was very short-lived. Very short-lived. And so here we start with where we open our and ended our scripture. And we have this account now of God is now bringing up, bringing the serpent, Adam and Eve, up short now on what has just happened in the garden here. And the first thing after the, after the Lord hears the account, he curses the serpent. Okay, so he curses the serpent. On his belly he must go and dust he'll, he'll eat. And before we even get into any other aspect, immediately, the next verse, is God's promise how to fix it. Amen? Right away, he directs a, he directs a promise to the serpent and said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Amen? Man couldn't do anything. He saw, he saw the fragility of what man could do. Okay? And they... And they Bent under reason and doubt as the, as the Satan came in. And so God says, no, this is, this is my duty. I will put enmity. Okay? At some point, Eve and the serpent, there was a lot, some dialogue going on for some time. This wasn't the first time I think that Eve and the serpent had talked. They were part, he was part of creation. So there was some, some friendliness of some sort there because they wouldn't have come to that point if there had not have been. So God says, I'll put enmity, which enmity is, you're an enemy, hostility between, between you, your seed, and the woman's seed. So right there, the battle line was drawn. Battle has now just come out. War is on, you're on this side, and my seed is on that side. Amen. And between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I can imagine there would have been some fierceness in God's words as he said this. Because seeing, seeing ahead, What's going to happen? Amen. Seeing the battle that was now going to ensue, it's telling the serpent, this is what's going to happen. Before anything else has happened, he hasn't even talked to Adam and Eve yet. 
And he's already decreed. I already got a promise. We heard about predestination on Sunday. Amen? Laying right there. God had it already planned out. Curses the, curses the serpent, but I have a plan. And it's in action already. Amen? God's not eager to send no one to hell. Amen? He would that none would perish. Amen? It's a scripture. Immediately. He said, I have a way to rectify sin. He didn't ponder long. He didn't think about it. He said, just, you know, hold it right there. I got to figure out what to do. This is a big mess. That's not what he did. It was immediate. It's the next scripture. Plan in place. And I'm going to bruise your head. Amen. Deliver was promised. A champion was promised. Don't ever think you've crossed the line. This was a pretty serious thing that happened here in the garden. Pretty serious. But God had a plan of redemption for that. Don't think you've ever crossed it. Because I don't think you've ever come to this at this serious of an issue. And God had a plan for that. He has already a plan in place. He's already done it. We're past now the point in which we'll go there. For anybody that here that feels like I've just, I've done my worst. It's not. His grace reaches so far. Amen. A promise of redemption at the very dawn of time was already in place. Time's clock might have not even been started yet. Either it was before or after this point, but before it even got there, redemption plan was laid. Amen. So Satan was given notice. And his victory very short-lived. Amen. Now God had to do. He had to do something. His masterpiece was marred, and he had to start to rebuild. Satan had come in and, and tore it down, and God wasn't going to just leave it there in the dirt, left to just in the muck. And well, you know, it's all over. I guess I can't. No, he. Said, I'm going to fix this. This is this is my creation. I made in my image. It's not. This doesn't end here. So he started to rebuild. But Abraham said he started to rebuild with Abraham. And Abraham was a part of the foundation. Isaac, love. Jacob, grace. Talked about Joseph being perfection. He said that was his foundation on which he was going to start building his masterpiece again. Amen. He had something in his mind because he had a plan and a promise decreed to the serpent. So Satan... Those started to fight right away because now he's just been given an all he's just been given basically a sentencing at the beginning there. And he's now trying to figure out and hinder, stop whatever God's going to do because he doesn't he doesn't know where it's going. So now he's constantly on the watch. How do, how do I how do I stop this? Because he knows at some point there's a bruising coming down the pipeline. Amen. So Satan started right away. And what happened with Abel off the scene? God raised up Seth. Amen. And this happens now over and over again as Satan now is trying to continually block and stop the promise that's been issued. You think he would figure that that isn't working out too well for him. But Abraham says, watch the two seeds, one fighting the evil, trying to destroy the righteous seed. And he tried to destroy Abel and God's raised up Seth. He says, look down through every age, everywhere, every place he come, he cornered that seed and he slew one or the other, and he thought he had it. And Moses, he tried to kill Moses, and now tried every way he could to destroy the seed. And God continually now bring up, but Abraham says, 
the prophets were the body word because they were the vindicated word as they spoke. They were building the body of, of this one to come. Amen. So Satan trying to continually stop the masterpiece from coming to fruition. And all, all down through the ages. And they came to the end. But Abraham says he came to John the Baptist as this body had been formed. And each person through the Old Testament reflecting a portion of Christ. Moses reflecting a portion of Christ. David reflecting a portion. Rejected. And we can see the types as each one. And God was pouring in a little bit of him. And reflecting him as his body and his masterpiece was being formed through the Old Testament. And it culminated and came up to John the Baptist. As Brother Ram said, the greatest as he introduced the, uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus. And Satan thought he had him. Came in and took John the Baptist's head. And Satan thought he had him there. And every time he took one, he thought, he, I've got it. I've stopped this. And then another one would come. But Satan's always a step behind. I think he's, he's, always, he's, he's reactive. <laughs> he's never proactive. <laughs> but God was planning and molding something very special as we came up. Come up to this point here. But Abraham says he could not use Moses. He could not use the prophets Isaiah. He said he who was sawed till saws and sawed to pieces. He could not do it in the prophets that were stoned. He said he couldn't, they couldn't be the masterpiece because he said they couldn't feel it. They couldn't take the pain. They couldn't take the penalty because God couldn't feel it through them. And so even as they were a portion of him reflecting who he was and building this masterpiece, they couldn't do it because God needed to feel it. I find that so striking. So through the age, hewing away by the patriarchs, he made this platform, foundation upon which he was going to build, and, he's, and, the, and by his word, through the prophets. And finally, he come out to the perfect prophet. Prophet, He said the perfect foundation, the perfect vision that God had, as now he's come to the culmination of this masterpiece once again. And finally, the great head of it all. And Jesus came on the scene. Amen. There with the head, Christ, was the last and final piece on top of the body that had been now made through his handiwork. And his entire handiwork of God, we find this perfect reflection of the word. And here he's got it, and he's now made it, and God steps into it, and it's a little baby. And I can imagine Satan stepping back and trying to figure out, what's going on here? A baby? This is, is, when he's trying to piece it together, he thought he had it with John the Baptist. I took him off the scene, but, and, and now a baby? This, this little humble little thing in a, in a manger? Satan had to step back, but here was the perfect, perfect reflection of the word that God now was going to start to move on, move in. The fullness of the word now, amen? God's perfect masterpiece again in the flesh of a baby. So Herod, so Satan, he sends Herod flying. Something's going wrong. And he starts anointing, trying to take it out once again, trying to destroy and mar the masterpiece that God has now just, has been pouring out. The Ram said he flew at Eve. 
She wasn't the word, so it failed. He flew again at Moses. He said he did the same thing. But when he hit the Son of God, he said it was 10,000 volts. Amen? Knocked the loose feathers out of him is what Brother Branham said. Amen? Because he came at him. And what did he come back with? He says, it is written. Satan was trying to figure it out. If thou be, turn these stones into bread. If thou be. He didn't know. He's trying to figure it out. You should have got the message. But Abraham says, 10,000 volts. Amen. He says, it is, it is written. And see, Adam, he said it was took down. But the second Adam, that masterpiece that had come, the Redeemer, he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I can tell you, alarm bells started to going off in hell. We've got a problem. Something's different about this one. My man, as they've been built up, he knew, you know what? We've taken care of him. And now this is different. This is different. Amen. He's come back with the word and has zapped, completely nailed to Satan. I mean, right back on his heels. Amen. All types now are being fulfilled through Christ. Amen. Everything that they had reflected of old is now in flesh. We heard about our king, kinsman redeemer on Sunday. and the, We have the lawgiver from, from Moses on Mount Sinai and despised of his brethren and with Joseph. And, it's, and now he's reflecting everything that's been talked about, everything that's been prophesied, everything that's been poured into this masterpiece body is now in flesh before us. Amen. But he didn't just come to be seen. The masterpiece of Christ wasn't just there just to, to walk around and, and, and to be, just to be looked at. Isaiah 53, 1 says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. And he hath no form nor comeliness, and, we, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we had esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Christ came to heal, and he healed and delivered many. He had, there were many miracles. 5,000 were fed. But God knew that was not the main purpose. There had to be a bruising. A promise was spoken at the beginning. A bruising of a heel and a bruising of a head. And as Brother Branham said, the masterpiece was not a masterpiece unless there was a smiting. And so if that hadn't happened, all really would have been lost. All that God had built up in bringing this masterpiece now to earth in flesh again. If there was no smiting, there was no bruising. All was in vain. And so the bruising of the heel began. And it would have began from Gethsemane. As Christ would have been kneeling in Gethsemane as he knew what had to be done. And the pain and the agony that he would have gone through as he had his own human flesh to deal with. But even then, not my will, but thine be done. And then he laid that down as he, with great 
as we know great drops of blood would have dropped as sweat from his brow as he was working that out, knowing what was ahead of him. The mobs that would have mocked him and scoffed him now as he was brought before the different, from before Herod and Pilate. Brother Branham said the gobs of spit that would have hung off his, off of his face and his beard torn from his face, scourged and whipped without mercy. All the bruising of the heel. Beaten and blindfolded as they screamed out, who hit you? And this was no tap. This was no just little smack. This was no little whip. Well, you know, oh, this was the fury, the fury that Satan could have put into these men for beating our Savior. Placing a crown of thorns on his head. Again, these weren't little brambles. A crown of thorns as they sat that upon his head and would have scrunched that down into his brow and the blood and the pain that our Lord would have suffered at that moment. And after all of that, then throwing a cross on his back and make him walk the road to Calvary. And then with the nails and fasten his feet, his hands onto the cross. But Abraham says, hanging up there on Calvary, bleeding and bleeding, his blood, bloody locks dripping from his head and his shoulders and his blood spatting everywhere. He said, I believe Billy Sunday said that he, there's angels in every bush. He said, just, just turn your hand. Just, just turn your hand, po- point to us. Point to us and we'll destroy it all. Just, just point. That's all he had to do. All he had to do was just, just one little point. The angels are just waiting, just waiting. Just, just give us the word and this will all be over. I'm so thankful he didn't do that. Marred above all men. Marred so much, much till he didn't even look like a son of man. He was beaten and bruised. Bloody. Father Brown said he's just a big pile of blood and bones. Walking together. He said he didn't even look human being as he drug up, drug that up Calvary and God smote him. For us. He said, that's what makes him the perfect masterpiece. He says, oh, how I love him. The perfect one. So perfect, so pleasing. Till God smote him on Calvary for you and I. Satan thought he, I got him. This can't be God. He can't die. God can't die. He just died on Calvary. I have just beat him. I've done everything I could. Little did he know, God was just allowing the smiting for me and you. And God deemed that marring and the smiting, the bruising of his heel. For I would have bruised his heel and bruised the head. If we go, amen, he said, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Whose heel was it? Christ. Christ's heel was bruising the head of the serpent. All of this was the bruising of a heel. What happened from there 
Is it? Just a few short moments later, after he said on the cross, it is finished. The effects of that bruising were immediate. Amen. Brother Bram says, I can see him go up to the door. He knocks on the door. He says, oh, you finally got here. He said, yes, I'm here. Satan says, well, I thought I had you when I killed Abel. I thought I shot you. I thought I had you, sure had you when I put Daniel in the lion's den. When I beheaded John, I knew I had you. And when he was on the cross, I definitely had you. And now you've arrived. Satan was confident. I did it. Jesus said, yes, I've arrived. For one purpose. He says, you put fear and chills on the people long enough. He says, I've come down to take over. Amen. So that's right. He said, I'm the virgin born son of God. Amen. The masterpiece smitten. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got a right. Adam sinned. He said, my blood is still wet on the cross that paid that sin. Amen. He said, yes, sir. I come down to take over. He said, give me the keys to death and hell. I love it. I love it. He reached over. He said, he grabbed Satan by the neck. Okay. This was authority because he knew where he stood now. He says, I'm the virgin born son. Amen. Grabbed him by the neck. He says, and throwed him down and put his foot on it. It's a little more bruising. Threw his foot down on his neck. Amen. Said, you fooled with people long enough. He says, get back in where you belong. Amen. Amen. He took, he says, I'm the boss now. I'm the boss now. I just took over. Hallelujah. He says, my blood shed up there on the cross for the remission of sin and for sickness. And you can't keep them. There will be people who believe me and you can't bind them up with sickness any longer. Amen. And he booted him back in the door. Amen. Shut the door so hard. You know what he said? He said it shook the suit pegs of hell in his eyes. Tuck that one in your strip bag. I love it. He slammed the door so hard it shook the suit pegs of hell in Satan's eyes. I love it. Amen. Immediate effects from the smiting of the masterpiece. Amen. It looked, it looked like Satan was victorious for a moment. So I did it. Finally. Trying to avert the promise that was made right back as time began. And there God said, I'm sorry. It's over. Amen. The sacrifice lamb at Calvary paid for every redemptive blessing. Amen. There it is. Whatsoever you desire. Right there. Amen. Wipe your sin forever. You didn't even sin in the first place. His blood covers it all. Amen. What effects? What effects are the bruise? Amen. What effects are the smiting of the, of the masterpiece? Death penalty paid. Pardon. Your health. What do you have you need of? Amen. Strength. You're weary. You're fatigued. You're fretting. You're nervous. What is it? You put a name there. I don't know what you're going through. You put a name there. It was done on Calvary. Slammed the door shut of hell. Took the keys of death and hell in the grave. Pushed the door closed. And the suit pegs flew in his eyes. Amen? Amen. But you have to speak it. Because he's the high priest of your confession. So you speak it. You tell him what happened at Calvary. Does no good, but around said to you, except the sacrifice was for you. Amen. Now, God smote his masterpiece in the garden and brought forth Eve from Adam. And it made it a masterpiece from that. 
Dr. Bram says, now my opinion, the masterpiece is the stroke that marred Michelangelo, the Moses masterpiece on the monument. And it was a stroke that cut the side of his masterpiece in Eden that brought out the bride, Eve. Amen? Now the second Adam had to be smoked. Amen? To become a masterpiece. Or it wasn't a masterpiece, but from the smiting, not only was the bruising happening that was promised here, but out of him was coming another masterpiece, a bride. Amen? Because Adam was not complete until Eve. So God smote him and brought Eve out. Amen? So Christ on the cross, smitten for our sins to save us, for all of our healing. Wounded for our transgressions, but at the same time, pulling out another masterpiece, a bride that he had in his mind. Amen? Here Satan thought he was delivering a blow. Scripture says, it pleased God, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin in Isaiah 53. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Please the God to bruise him. So a bride could come forth. Amen. Out of that body. Now, but Abraham says, The smiting of Christ was for a cause. That he may take from him one to be family. The bride. He might take him a bride. So this masterpiece was perfected. He had to smite it. Not another piece. Not another creation. The same creation. Amen? If he was the word, what must the bride be? It's got to be the original word. Amen? And now God began the process again to now to bring another masterpiece to fruition. And the Holy Ghost released at Pentecost, but Abraham said, started to form, started, began to form this masterpiece and he set to brood now through the ages to bring out what he had in his mind in his image of what that masterpiece looked like now it took some time it's taken much time and that's as that grew you know that seed went down and had to die at night at Nicaea and down through the ages now that masterpiece has been forming just as he did at creation it took time to mold that. And as that life was moving through the churches, it was starting to become more and more in the image of what God had. A little bit here, a little bit there, as it moved up through the different... It was gone almost in the dark ages. Amen? But then it started to push up through as it came up into Luther's age, right? Through the stock, and it came up then through Wesley, which was the tassel, and it did more and more becoming... God, see, that's... Yeah, it's coming. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And he had to keep molding that and making that. It didn't happen instantly. And then into Pentecost, which Brother Brown says the husk. And then the original seed was put out at the last age. But Abraham says, so will the church have to match to everything God has promised. It must be the piece that was smitten off of it. So if it's if the original is the word, so will the subjects that's been taken from it be the word to match its side. Amen. A word bride. That's why the scripture says, To whom God would make known, which is the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Yeah. Amen? The hope of glory. Whom we preach. Yeah. 
we're doing tonight. Preaching Christ, the hope of glory in you. Warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now all through the ages, just as the be- just as in the beginning, bit by bit, the masterpiece was formed. And by the end time, it must match the original. I think we heard it on Sunday. Brother, Brother Brown says, is the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. He's got to dig in the masterpiece. You'll hear all of this straight from the prophet himself. <laughs> Amen. It's wonderful. How is God going to do this? How is this last age? How is it going to be the original? Exactly. Not, not a kind of replica. Exactly. From his side. The original seed itself at the end time. How? How is this to be? God is going to do it. He's going to bring this little bride that's smitten right back to the side of the original word. He says, how is this bride going to do this? How is this wheat going to do this? Malachi 4 said in the last days it would be restored again. Amen. Restored back like the beginning to take it back. He said, I will restore is what the scripture says. Amen. Reading, going through this. I said, Lord, I am so appreciative. And thankful for the message that we've been given. You would not be the original seed in his image without this message. You just, it wouldn't happen. It died every time they went off on their own ideas down through the ages. Off it went, the life moved on, and it died. And here we are looking at this message. I said, oh, the importance of staying exactly with this word. So that we can be the exact image. Amen? All the mysteries had to be revealed so that you could be the exact image of what God had planned. Amen? If you are taken from his side and that seed being exactly what it was in the ground when it went in, you need to have all the word. Every bit of it. Amen? Hence the importance of this message. Because it came to give all the words so that you could be exact image of God. Amen. And his, his bride manifested in this age. I don't think we can put any more importance on it. Or we could never put enough importance on it, I should say. Amen. Because I know I wouldn't be here without it. I don't know what people preach. I just preach this message. And I'm so thankful for it. There's nothing else to preach. I am watching my time. If we are a part of that word that was struck, then we also would, would expect to partake in some of the bruising as well. We're part of that. The seed of the serpent is still at enmity with the seed of the woman. We're still at war. He's still attacking. He's still assailing at every every way he can. But Abraham said she is a smitten. She is smitten from the church, from the church body. She's smitten with her master for the same purpose because she is the word. Joseph was smitten from his brother. 
Jesus was smitten from his brethren, and the bride is smitten from the church because she is the word. Amen? So, it's not too unexpected if trials come. Persecution. They killed Christ at Calvary, and God raised him up again on the third day, and then sent his Holy Ghost back to call sons and daughters to God. And that same evil religious seed is persecuting that righteous seed yet today. Amen? Brother Brown says, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He said in plain language, The very character of Jesus was perfected by suffering. My brethren, count it all, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Bruising of the heel. We also are partakers of that if we are part of Him. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, and so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen. Unless we suffer, but Abraham says we cannot reign. Because we know that victory, character is a victory, is not a gift. And so we have to do that. And the little temporary suffering we go through now is not even worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed to us when he comes. Amen. He says, oh, what treasures are laid up. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that are to try you. It's part of it. It is part of it. Your heel will also become bruised in your stand for Christ. Partakers of his suffering. Because if you're part of him, Satan will not stop combating you. Amen. But, it's just the heel. I'm not belittling the suffering at all. And what God went through in that bruising of the heel was the greatest sacrifice and of all costs. But God himself likened it to the bruising of a heel. The other side of it is the bruising of a head. Scripture says, And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The bruising of a head is more likely to crushing. The heel is hard to bruise. It's a pretty tough part of the body. Bruise your heel. You got to slam that heel hard, very hard. Okay, bruise the heel. It's the bottom part of the of that foot, and it can take some force. That's why it's built that way. But the head, not quite built the same. Taking a blow to the head of the same force in nature that you would could to your heel would have different effects. Okay. When you're bruising the head, you're smashing something against it or some force coming against something to create that bruise. And the head is a vital part of the body. You do a little bit too much force to the head and you get a contusion or a concussion and there's some drastic, if not mortal, effects. So generally you do not want to be bruised in the head. Hence why Satan was working very hard to divert that end. That was promised at the beginning because there was a crushing to come. And he intended to bring the whole human race captive to his power. Amen. But we just went through what happened to Calvary as the heel was bruised. The head of the serpent was crushed. Amen. 
Hallelujah. He was broken. His power was broken. I can tell you the largest concussion known to man was delivered at Calvary to Satan's head. Amen? There's the, the effects of the bruise on him was far more drastic than the effects of the bruise to Christ. It was temporary. Christ took that on. Incredible sacrifice that he did as we went through it. And I just lightly went through what he did. Going through what happened at Calvary is hard to talk about. When you go through the actual details. But it was his heel. He knew it was just, just for that moment. It would have everlasting effects on the crushing and bruising of the head of the serpent at that time. Amen. Amen. For every bruising now that Satan did to our Lord. It backfired on him. So as the whips were laid down on our Lord. Healing was for us. Because by his stripes, we were healed. So as he was bruising his heel, he was crushing his head. And he bruised his heel and he crushed his head. Amen. Conquering Satan's power of sickness with every stripe that he laid on his back. Amen. He bruised him for our iniquities. Knowing to do something and not doing it. And the guilt then that you have in your iniquity. He was bruised for our iniquities and crushed the head of that. There's no condemnation. Amen. He was, you were, he was wounded, beat for our transgressions. And for every blow on, on, the, our, on the Christ that was made there, every whipping, everything, Satan's right to cast us into hell was stripped away. Amen. Our sin was covered. Amen. And he basically inflicted himself. The harder he did that, the harder he crushed his head. Amen. It was final for him at Calvary. Hallelujah. Amen. He bruised the head of the serpent. Now so do we every day with a victorious life. Stand on what he did at Calvary and you also partake in the heel bruising. You also partake in the head crushing. Amen. I think it was brother Tim Pruitt called serpent stompers. Amen. I'll give him the term, but that's exactly what it is. You do that every day. Amen. As you bruise him and you crush him with a victorious life, call his bluff, call his bluff, point to the crushing of his head. This happened on Calvary. He's on a countdown. His time is limited. Amen. You say to this mountain, you, with your faith, you crush the enemy in your life. I don't know what it is. God gave you everything needed on Calvary when he was smoked to produce a masterpiece in a bride. Amen. And then giving you everything you needed to continually conquer with the same, with the foot. He put his foot on the neck as he conquered him, death and hell and the grave. You do the same. Because he gave us the, everything we need for that. Amen. Peter crushed his head when he said, Paul, I should say, when he said, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Amen. Peter crushed him. Ignorant. Totally unlearned. Came out of Pentecost. Amen. He said, men and brethren of Judea. Hearken unto my words. He wasn't a preacher. He was ignorant and unlearned. 
And it shall come to pass what the prophet Joel spoke of that whatsoever, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. A crushing blow. There was he putting his foot down on Satan's head. Amen. The great power, it is said of the serpent, lies in unpardoned sin. And he cries, I made you guilty. He says, I brought you under the curse. No, we say. We are delivered from the curse and are now blessed. For it is written, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Amen. We're no longer guilty. For who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Amen. Since Christ hath justified, who is he that condemneth? Commentator said, Spurgeon said, here is a swinging blow for the old dragon's head, such as he never will recover. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Musicians, why don't you come? You say, well, Brother Branham said, said, but Brother Branham, I say, but Brother Michael, I'm the least one. I say that too. Absolutely. I said, Lord, I'm just the least and we, because we're talking about crushing from the heel to the head, you know exactly where I'm going. That the soles of his feet, remember, he's triumphed over you, triumphed with you over every bit, even this, you're the soles of his feet. So you may think you're the lowest. You might have the lowest self-esteem in God's body. But you're still crushing Satan's head. Still. Some, I'll take the spot because I'm still crushing Satan's head. Amen. He says, I don't feel like 52 this morning. <laughs> Amen. This is the truth. If I can just get this church to see that brother, he says, we'll be a triumphant church. Amen. If we can just get to see that brothers and sisters. We'll be a different church. Amen. The effects of the bruise has created a victorious, virtuous, conquering bride of jesus christ amen equipped to defeat a crushed enemy crushing satan's head just as christ dealt that mortal blow on calvary's hill amen put your foot on the devil tonight remind him of the mortal bruise that he was inflicted on on calvary remind him that the suffering of this world is perfecting us for eternity and it's temporary Remind him that by smiting the masterpiece of Calvary, we came forth and have become a perfect image of him because we are part of him. Because of the masterpiece that was smote, a bride was pulled out of Christ. Remind him because of the bruising, fellowship between God and man was restored. Amen. The effects of the bruise. Don't forget. And when you feel low, and when you feel like the bottom of a foot, you're still a serpent stomper. Thank you, Brother Tim. Amen. Coined phrase of the message. Use it. Use it as much as you can because it's truth. Amen. Glory. You can stand. It's wonderful, and that's the song we're going to sing. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus is to me. There are some verses to that, and I don't think we've hardly ever sung them. But we're going to try. 
You do some good old-fashioned songs that I bet you some people here have never sung. We're wonderful, wonderful, Jesus is to me. It's actually in the in the big songbook. Am I looking at it here? No, no, no. Oh, there it is. Yes, yes. Next verse. Mm-hmm. There we go. One's the slave. Now I'm free. Free on the Songs. We're gonna sing. We'll see the bright light shine before you. Before we go, Amen. Oh, see the bright light shine. It's just about overnight. I can see my Oh, 
Happy you came to church? Amen. I am now. Amen. It's good just to talk about him. Thank him for what he did for us. We can leave here saying, Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for being smoke for me. Amen. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we serve such a wonderful, faithful, loving God. That we, Lord, could be considered, Lord, your bride. Part of you, Lord, is you you put so much into instilling your word through time to bring, Lord, your people to this day. To this time, Lord, and what you've put your servants through to bring our people to this hour is incredible to me, Lord. I cannot thank you enough from the depths of my heart, Lord. Lord, help us as we go out, Lord, to now believe your word and accept what you did for us, Lord. Lord, live victoriously, Lord, and take that word to our heart. Tell Satan he's crushed. Be with each one, Lord, as it's midweek and many have to go to their different places of work through the week here, Lord. I pray strength on each one. Bless them for coming tonight. Putting the time in, Lord. I know you're a rewarder, Lord, of those that diligently seek you. May you reward each one, Lord, for coming. May they have left, Lord, tonight with just something. Just some little, something for their little script bag, Lord, that they could be strengthened and encouraged in your word, Lord. Commit the rest of the evening. Watch each one on the roads, we pray. Protect, put your angels around us, Lord. Those angels that were around you as you went up to Calvary, Lord. Put them now about us, Lord, as we would depart this place, keeping each one protected now. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. And if Lord willing, we'll see you on Sunday. God bless you.